This past week, a giant in the anarchist movement, David Graeber, passed away in a hospital in Venice. It was one of the last, a real one. I mean, I don't know what to say, really. Um, it's often said that, you know, we have no theory. Anarchists have no theory. We especially have no theory now. Or, you know, sometimes they would even say that, like, Book Chin was the last of them. No. The, the thing is, is, I, I'm not going to say Graber was the last of them. Um, he kept the flame alive. And now there's, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was just, yeah, like, we kind we really kind of needed things that make us think about a better world, bullshit jobs and actual history of dad, things like, things like that. It was... Why not, David Graeber? nonsense. Be something you wish. Uh, meanwhile, half a world away. <sighs> the Battle of Lake Travis. 368 million gallons of water. It feels like, you know, something's just so appropriate about it. Of so many maggots just taking off in uh, flat water power boats and gunning it like a bunch of fucking landlubbers and drowning each other with their reckless disregard for each other's safety. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because they all insisted I'm It's just so like, Toxic you know, lights. you're seeing these like suburban dentists and plastic like, surgeons are like leaving clear of the wreckage and abandoning the women and children. Just all pretense of chivalry abandoned. 
mean, to be fair, when you're a dentist, I don't think if, you really know or care what that little button that says "Dodge Pump" or um, you know how to actually launch a boat. Um, I, I think they think you just like push it off the trailer and then light off the motor. Mm-hmm. Obviously. But it's like... Yeah, I mean... It... it the <sighs> fucking... Maneuvering boats is like... Yeah. You know, maneuvering a whole... Like shouting MAGA fleet, and a small craft. It's, stuff, it's an actual know, skill. And dentists don't have it. I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. Y'all suck. Do a thing on water. Like, any kind of thing. Like, I, I would... Like, if one of these tool sheds was a sailboat, I'd partially excuse them, yeah. because those are really easy for a total, like, fucking, like, posers like these shits to fuck up and totally turtle. Like, that, I can understand that. I can accept a weekend warrior flipping a sailboat, but for fuck's sake, the place looks like a plate of glass. Or, well, it did until, like, everyone had the brilliant idea to, like, launch all at once as fast as possible. Like, they were practically dumping the boats in. And the problem with doing that is, for those of you um, who don't live near the coast or near a lake, is the reason they don't put out that many... Um, uh, that many um, you know, wells for people to stick their boat trailer in. It's regulating like traffic. It's, it's not because yeah. like you know, there's it, not it does capacity. legitimately take a lot more room it's to steer a boat just, than it does to turn a car. Like you need to think yeah, in terms yeah. of you know actual math. Yeah, and, like, to be fair... <laughs> well, yeah, like you said, they did a great job getting them into the water. The problem, then, was getting them out. And the problem was what happened after. Be- <laughs> the shit writes itself. <laughs> I mean, it's like, well... Yeah, I mean, it's like... The reason they uh, they don't let you just like you know dump boats in as fast as you can turn it, the trailers like, around, um, they don't normally allow that, and there's a reason for that. It's because this happens because every time you have to shove one of those boats into the water, it creates a wake. The wake displaces water. Um, the the water causes a little bit of yeah, chop and. If you it's, see the it was limits of such, what the other boats like, in the area can take, like it was just such an amazing display of sick. like the exact opposite of your choice, like 
I don't know what you... Maybe, like, mutual destruction or something? Yeah, mutually assured destruction. Like, this is kind of what this was. Is This is, like, if everyone's going to run around and be dicks, yes. then you're all gonna end up underwater <laughs> on a fucking perfectly smooth fucking lake. Um... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, then this made it very difficult to launch rescue boats because, you know, you always already got all these checks. And it's not like they're going to have anything better than like the, a fucking Boston whale. Uh, tying up the. Or maybe something you know, that's a well, little more substantial, um, but, you know, this and- is. <laughs> you're not going to have like cutters and shit like that. Like. Maybe there might be a helicopter showing up, but your local, like, whoever it mm-hmm. is that's responsible for this is probably, like, yeah, fuck. We're, like, yeah. totally not ready for an entire fucking armada to sink itself. I'm not sure who is, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, I, I've seen... <laughs> I mean, it's, it was just, it was so amazing because it was very obvious that you couldn't launch that many boats in that short amount of time, and they did it. They fucking did it. And then you have, like, ten fucking boats in distress all at once inside of and the lake shore. Any resemblance Not even all that to far anything from, that has happened you know, where since they originally docked, January 1st, 2020 is purely It is amazing. I'm sure. I'm sure. Welcome to Chop Shop Economics. We read this shit so uh. you don't have to. <laughs> Uh, I'm Ms. Silver. Uh, with me today is Doc Spider. Um, uh, we've got we got a lot. This is probably like the biggest actual stonks one we've done since like the third episode. Yeah, like. So, um... Take note, we are talking about the stonks. Yes. Okay, so what first turned this on to this story is, um, someone I follow on, you know, loose SRA Twitter, those of you who know I'm talking about, you'll know. Um, and she posted a link to a Seeking Alpha article um, predicting a stock crash within the next four weeks. Um, at the time, that would have been late September to early October. Um, and mostly it was about how bad the indicators are. Like, everything seems to be back to... Um, Back to, like, basically where things were in March. Um, you know, volatility indexes are fucking crazy. Like, everything is just, you know, completely nuts. 
bond market has taken a shit. Mm-hmm. Like, at least the American bond market yeah. has. We'll get to the other ones towards yes. the end. <laughs> um, basically, volatility is crazy. Um, investor confidence is pretty brittle. Um, the recovery is very patchy and only seems to be confined to a few sectors. Um, everything else looks rocky. Um, a bunch of companies failed that arguably shouldn't have. Um, and a bunch more that, you know, were already a little fucked now became a lot fucked. I mean, we're talking about a world where Exxon Mobil got like fucking delisted from the Dow. That that is like they've been there since nineteen twenty eight. Yes. This shouldn't be possible under normal circumstances. Um so they they finally found also what was holding the phone. Yes. Because by all accounts, this market should not be doing what it's doing. This is, like we've said before, this is kind of like the post-crash bubble that happened in 1929. Um, and uh, so it has a last... The thing we have been seeking, a white whale, yes, has surfaced. Who the fuck is keeping this fraudulent zombie economy alive? Because Jesus fuck, it should not be alive. We we've all established that. Like, I don't care how much money you shove into the furnace, um, the stock market should not be doing this well. Um, not with these volatility indexes being as high as they are. Not with, like, everything coming apart. Not with all the civil unrest. Um, not with, you know, the you general... Know, the oil industry Yes, dying. the general political instability. Um, like, every... But somehow tech was defying that. Yeah. And then... As of September 4th, mm-hmm. in the Financial Times, we she has emerged. There she blows. The great Nasdaq wind <laughs> that was keeping tech somehow safe. Oh my god. Remember these? And its name is SoftBank. Yeah, remember these motherfuckers? <laughs> remember SoftBank? The WeWork the, people? These absolute shitheads? You know, we were dunking on them like a couple months ago. It's like, oh no, these guys are already tripping over their like fucking dicks. We, nothing's gonna happen here. <laughs> I mean, it's like we, you know, fully expected all that vision fund stuff to eat shit, and and apparently it didn't. Because it did a bunch of fucking like black magic bullshit. Like, it did some Wall Street sorcery and bought options on tech stocks. Like, bought enough options on tech stocks that one banker described it as a, quote, dangerous bet. Yes. And it's, frankly, it's insane. I And you know Wall Street. Yeah. 
and you know Wall Street probably then turned around and went, oh, fuck. This looks like it's a hot thing, so I'm going to buy contracts on these options and on these shares, and I'm going to buy shares themselves or whatever, and just throw money into the bullshit machine, and then create value that didn't really exist. It makes it look like the stock market's doing okay, and now it's, well, you know. It is doing okay. (laughs) There it is. Turns out it was just a fucking whale. (laughs) Yeah, somebody who is like you know uh, pulling for that one for this servant, episode. that one gun, that one whatever um, in your favorite gotcha pun game. <laughs> and for those not familiar, like whale isn't just like a term that the Financial Times is whipping out for this uh, specific case. Like, it's a really commonly used term in finance, in tech, in, like, a lot of other industries just to refer to, hi, here's someone with a gigantic fuck-off bank account, and it's a significant source of money for us. Yes. And there is more than a bit of, shall we say, uh, stupidity implied. Like, it's expected that they could just, you know hunt down them whales and bring them in mm-hmm. and it'll be fine you know there's never you know been an example of where over hunting of a large cetacean sea mammal mm-hmm. led to like negative consequences in the real world no that's never happened um no and yeah it's just i mean i think that like a lot of investor confidence is being driven by basically retail and small institutional bag holders at this point. But also, that went, that alone didn't explain what the fuck was going on. Like, uh, we, the reason we didn't really discuss this earlier is because we knew something strange was going on like this none of this looked right to us but we couldn't figure out why um and it fit within our models so it was kind of like whatever it was like we were we were kind of like figured on some level there would be something deeply fraudulent about whatever it was that was doing uh this we just didn't really have enough information to know what kind of fraud it would be. Yes. I mean, everything is fraudulent, but the details of the fraud, um, like, yeah, we didn't know. Um, And, like, we're not... It's it's Wall Street, so when they're out there hunting for (laughs) whales, they might, you know, accidentally wake up Cthulhu now and then. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's just... It is, it is amazing. I just, I don't, I don't know why this. It's just so stupid. <laughs> just so stupid. We never thought it would be soft bank. Yeah, it's like our old villain back again. <laughs> um, From hell's heart, I stab at thee. 
<laughs> I mean, it's like, I don't know that we had this on our bingo card, but um, if you had it, um, let us know if you've, if you've hit bingo. Um, we have a no prize for you. Like, yeah. Um, <sighs> so yeah, if this is like the 1929 post-crash bubble, then that would be the sound of this market is about to blow. And that was already starting to happen on, like, the 3rd and the 4th, like, at the end of that week. Yeah. As this was coming out, like, Wall Street was starting to seriously hemorrhage money. Um, so... The bleeding briefly stopped, as I understand it, but... Um... Not, not enough. They did not make back what they lost. No. So... Yeah, that that plus this plus you know many other things, which we'll get to in a bit, suggest that this is it. Yeah, this is this is yeah. the end. Like Wall Street has done like a market mass extinction. <laughs> so we don't know when exactly the crash will be, um, and obviously we are not investment advice. If you're taking investment advice from, you know, a couple of podcasters, I mean, I'm sorry, but you shouldn't be doing that. We call derivatives black magic. Yes. Come on. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's like, we don't even pretend to really, truly know what's going on. Um Though, though we will argue that there is substantial evidence to show that these fucking masters of the universe on Wall Street don't either. So that really isn't that much of a disadvantage. Yes. I mean, it's like, I mean, at least we're starting with the premise that like, you know, I don't know, but you don't know either. Um, and like, if you take the position that you know, basically, all of this has to be fraudulent because, you know, the structural indicators are just that fucking bad. Like, I... Yeah. You will logically conclude that it's going to be shitting the bed. And probably really quickly. Yeah, it's... When it comes, it's going to be quick. Like, this crash has been significantly faster than the Great Depression. So when this one hits, like, it's gonna be straight down. Mm-hmm. Um, we should really look into the bank closure thing again. Um. I'm sure they're doing <laughs> for reasons that have nothing to do with one of our later items. <laughs> of course, speaking of instability... Uh, so... The real one who, um, killed that J-dude. Um, you know, Aaron Danielson. Um, not the J-Bishop dude. That one, that dude's still alive. J. Yeah, the other one. But, sorry, but they all call themselves Jays and they look fucking the same. Yeah, yeah, it's... 
I mean, it's like, you know, Patriot Prayer has, you know, super dorky um, fundamentalist t-shirts and all call themselves Jay. I mean, I'm sure that Joey Gibson calls himself Jay in private. Um, Totally. It's like one of the secret Proud Boy rules with, like, not jacking off and reciting cereal in time to getting Mm -hmm. punched. Yeah, I mean, Patriot Prayer obviously does things slightly differently, but it's much the same model. Um, it's actually not. Please don't hit me. Worth mentioning that Kellogg's Corn Flakes started as an anti-masturbation campaign. Uh-huh. You know, I'm sure there's no coincidence there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they... He did not, in fact, escape into the horizon of the end of the movie. He died because the pigs killed him. They shot him like 40 times. After his name was Michael Mm -hmm. Reinal. And he was basically came to the attention of the police shortly either before or after like timelines a little muddled there giving an interview to Vice, where he very clearly stated that he drew his weapon to fire in self-defense on the dead Chud. <laughs> because he was jumping out of the back of a speeding pickup truck, spaying, spraying bear mace and swinging around a collapsible metal baton, which, you know, can kill people, especially when you're macing the fuck out of them. And um, also, he was carrying a gun, too. Yeah, so, you know, pretty open and shut. I mean, legally speaking, you I mean, we're not experts here, but as I understand, you could make a self-defense case based on that understanding of the fact. And after, you know, the Proud Boys and all those other assholes terrorizing this city for the better part of three fucking years, if he actually had gone tried in Portland, he probably would have gone off. Because, you know, it's like... I mean, at this... All you would need in any jury anywhere in Oregon would be one person who doesn't like the Mm -hmm. Mm Cowboys. And that would be just about any jury in Oregon at this point. I mean, fuck off. We're full. Go go home to your... Yeah, this is... A shitty small town where you cook meth in the bathtub. Like, this is so, like... And because these things are happening at the same time, this is, like, such a 180 degrees away from what's happening with that shithead Rittenhouse. Because um, he is trying to claim self-defense, and clearly, based on multiple, like, facts, like... That one of his victims was clearly shot in the back multiple times. Um, And that he crossed state lines with an illegal weapon. Yeah, self-defense sort of goes out the window. There's, like, no legal basis for it. Like, his attorney who's comparing this to the fucking, like, shot fired at the Battle of Lexington, shit thee not, all over Twitter, um, is now just going with basically the Hitler defense of... uh, I drove across state lines to, like, defend the people from dangerous left-wing rioters. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I broke the law to protect my country kind of bullshit. Yes. Um, so, and he was, like, allowed to walk away by the cops and turn himself in the next day. Is still fucking alive. I mean... He is... It, it says it all. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's still in custody. He remains unmolested in Illinois. Um, uh, frankly, that's because of, like, you know, procedural bullshit. Basically, they want to get their ducks in a row, uh, attorney-wise. I can't even... I can't even blame them, because that's, like, you know, that's the basic shit, but the kid is probably gonna get extradited. Like... Ah... Yeah. Yeah. But even so, it's like, you know, the, we're seeing, a di- like, the difference here of literal right-wing political murder mm-hmm. being protected by the cops while an act of basically armed self-defense under perfectly understandable conditions. Like, some of the reporters who were there in Portland when the fucking Proud Boys were tooling around in their trucks were, like, comparing it to the shit ISIS was doing in Syria and Iraq, and I personally think it's a valid comparison. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Like, it's it's a pretty, and this is after like years of this kind of continuous harassment, like there's a pretty clear-cut argument for self-defense there. Oh yeah. And, and you know, we can't have a jury actually do that. No, I mean, it's like what they want is like they're going to I don't I don't know that they're necessarily slow walking this kid but Barr Barr wanted, you know, this guy here captured or dead. And he didn't much care which. Um And this like all went in motion because Trump fired mm-hmm. off a tweet. And anyway. to the people who are like Oh, well, this is an op. People don't get radicalized. And, you know, all this other fucking nonsense. Fuck you. Honestly. I'm, I'm... I refer you to, like, the last 200 years of human history. Yes, I mean, it's like... You, You can shut up now. I mean, it's like... Yes, I get that... MK Ultra experiment with this kind of thing, but like Occam's razor, bitch. Okay, this is more easily explained by this guy just being, you know, newly radicalized than by some sort of like nebulous, oh, this guy's an op, this guy is a confidential informant. It's like if he was a co- if he was a CI and this was an op, they would have just killed him afterwards. They wouldn't have farted around for four fucking days. Well, and it wouldn't make sense for them to run an op where you potentially have a sympathetic defendant about to get jury nullification for shooting a fascist. Mm-hmm. Like, let's like let's keep that bigger picture in mind here. This is probably not just because um, Reinhold was an anti-fascist. Yeah. 
and fighting the basically the paramilitaries of the current regime. I think it also is legitimately because when you look at his case, no matter how you slice it, it's going to be impossible to find a jury that's not going to at least be a hung jury yes. over this in any relevant jurisdiction where you could hold the case. And that does not look good. Yeah. But it like it gives it gives Barr a chance to strut out and be smug and be like, Oh, the streets are safer because we killed this Antifa dude, aren't we? Aren't we fucking awesome? And it's like... Well, it, it reads like an open season declaration on anti-fascists, mm-hmm. really. Like, it feels like legal cover for the feds to go after anyone that thinks an anti-fascist. I mean, at this point, what you gotta realize is that after you commit one felony, the rest are free. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Like, and I mean, where they can do stack an additional five life sentences on? Come on, it doesn't matter. I mean, I mean, they do that, but it's like you know, it's you know, at, at a certain point, it ceases to matter. You know, it's like. Yeah. So it's like you know I'm not I'm not encouraging anyone to go out and do stupid shit and win stupid prizes. Um, but you know if you should happen to get a jury summons, maybe say yes and keep your mouth shut during selection. Uh-huh. You know it only yeah. takes one. And make sure you look up jury nullification. Before this process starts, um, and don't talk about it until like the end of yeah. the trial. You know, yeah. I mean, like you don't want to get thrown out. Judges don't like jury nullification. Just yeah. saying, it is basically the only uh, is one of the few tools that people of sound mind and sound politics on a jury have to combat these fucking ghouls. Yeah. Especially as they look like they're still like the, like one like they blah blah blah. Like it looks like they're still like at least pretending to care about forms mm-hmm. for form's sake. If nothing else probably because the Trump administration keeps getting like slapped down by judges for going, excuse me, you were supposed to fill this out in pen, not crayon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the thing of it is, is they were maybe if it written in pen and not crayon. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's well, and it's worth emphasizing. Just something to put out there for a second. Not you know saying anything either way. We absolutely don't have proof of this speculation, mm-hmm. um, but. It was U.S. Marshals who led the task, the, like, hit squad to kill Michael Ryan. Yeah. And the U.S. Marshals were one of the law enforcement services that Barr pulled from to make his stupid little, like, pretend Cobra packed mm-hmm. squad. And there happened to be packed U.S. Marshals in the Portland area fairly recently. So... I'm not saying there's proof, but this kind of rhymes with Tantan Makut. 
So, yeah. I mean, honestly, it was it was an assassination. End of. Like, let's be clear about this. Yeah. And it may not be an isolated thing. Like, this is, so far, this is not something that's been reported in the news yet. Um, we've seen some stuff on Twitter from people who are, like, known to be, like, close to, like, like significant activists around police brutality in the Bay Area and Portland. Um, and they have been reporting that certain very prominent activists who are, like, people who are fairly well-known within, like, the police brutality um movement yes. in the in like Oakland and in Portland have reported being rearrested for local and state charges that were dropped by local prosecutors by US marshals and there's mixed reports as to whether or not there's been local police assistance yeah and i am fairly sure so. that that's not actually double jeopardy, but it certainly kind of breaks the spirit of it. I mean, yeah. it's, um, the law at this point is a dead letter. Let's, let's be real about that. Um, process matters as much as the power that's backing that process says it mm-hmm. does. Like, let's Let's be clear. This is this is why Rittenhouse is allowed to slow walk his fucking case, and um, you know, guys like Ryan Hall get shot in the back, and why now they're picking up people for crimes that are you know not being prosecuted. Yeah. It's like and. It is a blatant <laughs> violation of state and local autonomy. Like, this is literally states' rights. Guys, hi. We see you over there. This is literally states' mm-hmm. rights. <laughs> and it's like, you know, if the locals decided... Like, we're not talking about, like, hate crimes here. We're talking about, you know, misdemeanor rioting charges and other such bullshit that's clogging up the courts um, and threatening to reopen you know, the hell cube that is the court system in the age of COVID. Or, you know, prevent any progressive DAs who are trying not to have to do all this awful shit, like, you know, Chesso Boudin in San Francisco, or like the guy that's in, um, Philadelphia, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have one of those in Portland, too. Um, who basically threw out a whole bunch of these fucking charges. So this is shit that really is, like... Because, like, this is something that gets... Is deliberately an end run around these progressive local officials. It's saying, no, we're not going to let you decide how you want to enforce your laws... We're going to preempt that. And this this is a violation of states' rights. This is explicitly, like, at least in spirit, it's blatantly unconstitutional. Yeah. And somehow, I don't think Biden will be much better on this issue. I mean, 
I could see people making this case, but come on, he's already been like, I hate violence, I don't want protesters, I, um, I, I'm, I'm doing, listen Jack, I'm Joe Biden, and I forgot this message. I mean, I will put out there, there is the possibility, especially because, like, the latest polling shows something like 90% of Biden voters support sweeping police reforms mm-hmm. as the solution to the unrest in the street. Yeah. Um, and even, like, 25% of Republicans and 60% of independents support sweeping police reform. So, you know... There is plenty of political space to do something. Like, if we're going to be generous to Biden, then maybe he's giving himself room to backstab them after he's in office, but I've seen, like, no evidence to support that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's more, I'm just kind of... Like, they might have to just because of how chuddy the cops have been. But that's not going to be the same thing as what the defund the police and abolitionist movements have been calling for. Like, yeah. I think what's... Mu- like, he's going to have to do something, and it is a clear and present danger to the functioning of government for its chief enforcement officers to be actively mutinous and of dubious loyalty. Like, those are bad things. Yeah. I mean, it's like, at this point, multiple... In multiple major metro jurisdictions, the police are completely outside of civilian control. And, I mean, fuck, even the governor barely has any effective control over them. Um, I mean, what would Cuomo really be able to do if um, the NYPD did a coup? Oh yeah, like if the like, and I could totally see that happening in this shit show called Twenty Twenty. If the NYPD like busts into De Blasio's house, he was shot while attempting to escape. Oh, and he had a gun, and we found ten terabytes of child porn that totally doesn't vindicate all the QAnon bullshit. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, and yeah, I mean they'll drop guns on people they shoot in the street all the time to argue with self-defense, so you really think they wouldn't frame a mayor that they've actively declared war on? (laughs) So, that's... So, I get the feeling that if there's going to be any movement by a Biden or Harris administration specifically... It's not going to be like, you know, we're eliminating the NYPD because um, the NYPD is a corrupt institution that terrorizes its members. And it's more like the NYPD, as it stands, is like, you know, basically a criminal gang that nobody has any control over and we need to slap this down now. Because it's a, you know, it's it becomes a state sovereignty question, like, like this would be a lot more like when the Spanish Second Republic actively began pursuing military and police reform. It wasn't to rein in like the brutality of the Guardia. It was because they 
actively didn't trust the Guardia or the upper echelons of the military, and as, you know, this thing called the Spanish Civil War showed quite rightly. Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, on to the fucking horse. Jesus fuck. Oh, yeah. So, the, so it's been going around a bit, and the DSA kicked this around first, and good on them for surfacing this, that the CDC has called for a nationwide eviction moratorium. Terms and conditions apply. There is basically a bunch of magical bullshit that you have to do, and you have to satisfy certain criteria... Um, and you need to get on record with the CDC, which is not as easy as it looks. Um, and, and you have to do it on a slide rule balanced on the end of your nose, you know. Yes. You do. Like, this is, um, this is kind of what we were afraid of when Trump was like, no, yeah, I'll, I'll totally do it by executive order. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It wasn't going to be fine because he didn't do it through the proper channels. Uh, the channels that might actually have any fucking sway over this process at all. Um, and, you know, he's also a dick. A colossal egomaniac. So yeah. he probably... Like, if we're going to go by the whole, like, Veterans Gate thing that's going around, he probably has said way worse things about poor people. Oh, yes. I mean... Like, let's be real. Yeah, definitely. Like, this guy, in in private, he probably makes Boris Johnson occasionally go, that's a bit gauche. Yes. So... That is a factor. That is definitely a factor. So, basically, yeah, he had to fill out a declaration form, um, and... Who the fuck do you submit this to? Your landlord and your bank. (laughs) (laughs) You should tell... And there's... And there's no rent forgiveness, so you still have to pay it back someday. You may also still be evicted for reasons other than not paying rent or making a housing payment. Which which means that the landlord can do whatever the fuck they want. They just can't use rent to do it. And it's not like there haven't been illegal evictions in, like, you know, Los Angeles or anything, where they're not supposed to evict people anyway. Mm-hmm. So, that's, like, a really pretty paper shield there. Like, I mean, not saying don't fill it out, just, you know, maybe also talk to all your neighbors. Yes. And those, like, badasses you met at the last Black Lives Matter protest. <laughs> you know, maybe also do that. Maybe also. Oh yeah. We're not saying don't seek the paper shield. Just you know, get get a backup option. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, it's not like the sheriff's departments will be able to process the fucking tsunami that's bearing down on the United States anyway. 
Oh, wait, was that my outside voice? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's very, very fucked. And so is oil. Oh, God. Which we kind of hinted at earlier, that this is part of why this, like, soft bank white whale bullshit is going to be a problem. Yeah, because the way they're referring to it now is, like, permanent demand destruction, um, which is pretty much, that's fairly self-explanatory, um. That's J.P. Morgan Chase, by the way. That's not us. That's J.P. Morgan yes. Chase, who probably were not doing lines when they wrote that. Yeah, they may have been drinking though. I mean, that's a given. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if you if your job was to like you know stare into the abyss of all the economics data and not merely. Um, synthesize it from what you can figure out from the financial press and the theorem that you know everything is ultimately fraudulent. Um. <laughs> the market is a demanding god mm-hmm. and commands that their high priests must suffer horribly. Yes. They must imbibe many potions so they must suffer and serve the market. Yes. As you have forsaken number, so you have forsaken me. My curse upon the land for seven times seven generations. (laughs) So the big pivot is going to be towards things like, um, you know petrochemicals, plastic, that sort of thing. I mean, as amazing as, like, polylactic acid and other um, bioplastics have gone, we're still not quite to the point where we can just replace everything in the plastics chain with, you know, sustained biomass production. Um, So, unfortunately, petrochemicals are going to be part of the future for a couple of decades, but um, at the same and, time, and we want to go on. Oh, sorry. And what we want to emphasize here is this is we're not like exaggerating when we're saying the death of oil. Like these are like the terms they're using in Forbes and in Reuters. Um, It's this is stuff from uh, like respected mainstream publications. Like the Sierra Club put out an article saying the end of oil is near. And you know, these are the people that took until like five years ago to formally approve nonviolent civil disobedience as a tactic to save the planet. So, you know, they're saying this, Forbes is saying this, Reuters is saying this. The Dow is saying this by taking the fucking Exxon off the list for the first time since, like, you know, they are added to the Dow Jones Industrial Average in 1928. Like, this is catastrophically bad. Like, we're talking shit, like, 
oil wells are being capped. And, you know, this is the Captain Planet levels of evil oil industry who says that if you cap a well, you're never going to uncap it because the risks and the consequences of doing that is just not worth it. Like, these literal Captain Planet villains actually have a line on that. So... Like, this is... This is basically... The thing that it is, is that for transport, it's looking increasingly likely that there just isn't going to be that much more demand for oil. Um, at least... And, you know, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they have a maritime solution, too. But also, a lot of this onshoring stuff is designed to cut down on the dependence upon being able to move goods, you know, 10,000 miles and then move them 10,000 miles back. Um, Like, you know, logistics flows have to become more efficient. Um, so that means less oil is getting consumed like this is and when we trace this back to finance we can see there's like some newer research that talks about the whole relationship between oil and finance and how shit like the 2008 financial crash and the long boom of the 90s was fueled by reinvestment of oil profits so this is money that is being re- not just removed from finance, but rapidly downsized. Like when J.P. Morgan Chase said they were not financing any further Arctic drilling or offshore drilling, that was them saying, we are cutting these losses. We are just going to have to write off a whole raft of shit here somehow, or offload it, or just ditch these assets, because that's what that is. Like, this isn't like they're able to just drop these contracts at the right drop of a hat. A lot of these things are hard-coded and have specific maturities and specific terms. Like, they can stop putting money in, but they can't make the sunk cost go away. Like, this is what the carbon bubble is, really. Yeah, they just, they need to walk away from this. And so that's what they're going to do. But they're still stuck holding a huge fuck off back. So that's a whole lot of dead assets about to come to turn with SoftBank like now like beaching itself and killing the tech bubble, the last tech bubble. Um, Yeah. (sighs) This is a market that like one of the big motors of global capitalism is throwing smoke and fire right now and is sending showers of sparks in every direction. And the other one is starting to sputter. Yeah. Yeah. It's. And, and the people who hold the bank accounts for all of that are going to be coming due on their bets. Oh my God. Yeah, it's just, it's all coming apart. And, I mean, I did mention that, you know, petrochemicals and plastic is going to be, like, the future of the oil industry. But let's let's be honest, that doesn't require 
nearly as much oil as we're using right now. Like this isn't this isn't even an environmental thing. This is just there the permanent demand destruction stuff has oil oil's only sustainable at the levels that it was operating at up yeah. until COVID. Yeah, there's there's not gonna be any new expansions. There's not gonna be much appetite for like you know, extracting shale from Alberta, um, which, you know, great going, guys, you lower taxes instead of, like, you know, shoveling it all into a fucking sovereign wealth fund. Fucking morons. Yeah. That, this is going to be, lots of oil money is going to be disappearing pretty quickly. And that's going to be wrecking exchanges and major oil exporters, and, you know, any economy that depends on oil production, especially because renewables are all beating fossil fuels at the cost curve. So at this point, you can get a source of energy that doesn't suffer these kind of stupid price fluctuations, and is cheaper. Yeah, I mean, it's just... (laughs) Fossil fuels of capitalism themselves out of existence. Yeah. I mean, I suppose that's a good thing, but... Wait. Jesus, fuck. I'll fucking take it. Yeah. <laughs> if one good thing happened in 2020, it's that the oil industry yeah. died. Or, at the very least, is permanently crippled. Um, now we have some leverage. Yeah. Maybe we can beat it to death in a bathtub. <laughs> exactly. Like, we may actually be able to beat this climate change thing. Or at least keep the damage to a, you know, recoverable level. Yeah. That's the best <laughs> case scenario at this point. You know? Meanwhile, the pale horse marches up. Oh, boy. Unemployment. We need to talk unemployment, people. So the official rates are still about where you'd expect them to be. You know, not particularly high because, uh, you know, of course you gotta goose the fucking numbers. Um, oh, yeah, it's something like 83 <laughs> It's something ridiculous. Like, it's something that is, yeah, that is the official unemployment number. You can look that shit up. It is. Yeah. Don't ask me how they massage that number. Yeah, that's the, that's the U3. It is amazing. Yeah, it's some amazing, like, Wall Street black magic. So... There um, was brought to our attention um, a Reddit OP that basically goes through how the U3 to U6 numbers are calculated, um, and some of it is, like, really weird. Like, they're mostly, like, sampling it, but because... They're sampling from a number of businesses that 
how to put this, that um, they take a representative sample from, you know, the number of businesses that are theoretically supposed to exist in the country, which is about 32 million. Um, and then they take a representative sample from that, which is a valid statistical technique. It's just that it's not very responsive to on-the-ground realities. Which is that, you know, a bunch of small businesses just quietly drowned while we weren't looking. Or, well, we were looking. Um, the economists weren't. They figured out, you know, um, basically, they, um, the labor force participation rate is like 61.7% uh, for August, um, which is if, if you think about it, that it, those are alarming numbers. Those are seriously alarming. Um, And, yeah, it basically, and then, you know, there's seasonal adjustment, seasonal adjustment. Uh, they're not actually doing the same, the thing they're saying on the 10, they're just correlating it to some sort of longer run average, which tends to smooth out things and that works when you know everything is more or less steady state like this shit would not fly on a master's thesis just to throw it out yeah and it's like the problem with the seasonally adjusted data is that it is not seasonally adjusted it is massaged more like it is they're basically saying that well we need to conform this to long-term trends the problem with that is yeah it's fine in the steady state um like i said um the problem <laughs> we're running into is that we're in a crisis and that changes everything and so basically It's what? What's the real number then? The actual once you get through the bullshit. Yeah. So basically, um, the way they're, this OP is figuring it, um, the employment population ratio is 56.5. So 43.5% of people 22 and older are without a job. So if we subtract the 14% of the population that receives Social Security, we get a rate of joblessness uh 29.5. They do a little bit of, like, fudge factor to bring that up to about 33% because of how basically unemployment... Yeah. Yeah, basically... Un that's not eight fucking percent. Yes. yes, I mean it's like at this point, then 
That's very far away from 8%. It's like, at this point, it no longer even fucking matters what the exact details are. Like, you know, how many of these uh, people are drawing Social Security that could objectively participate in the economy if, you know, they weren't, like, say, trapped in a small town where, you know, they can't get work that they can still do. Which is... You know, that's a fairly common thing in, like, the South and the Rust Belt. Um, you know, your body gets trashed, but you can still work, except that you can't because, well, your body is trashed and you're not trained for office work or whatever the fuck. Um, and so, you know, well, sucks to be you. You're permanently disabled. You collect Social Security. Um. And, you know, that's, that's what you rely on. That's your big windfall. Um, and so that's, that's why they're kind of, though P was kind of fudging the number, but it's like, it's free percentage points. It's like, who fucking cares? A third of the nation is without work. And, and you know, if we assume that the base numbers that are in the BLS report, like, and you can see this, this is in the July Bureau of Labor Statistics report, and all these numbers are exactly what they're saying they are, and this is how the math is laid out. So, yes. Yeah. This is not like just some like some dude on Reddit. This is like this checks yeah. out. And it's like, honestly, we've been kind of suspecting that this is the case. Um, it was 20% after the fucking COVID shock started. So it was really fucking what the hell's going on here for it to drop to 8%. Yeah. Like, none of that made sense. And it's like the answer is that U3 is terrible at capturing these sorts of things. What you need to look at is the labor force participation rate, the employment to population ratio, things like that. Like, no... Hmm? Shit they used in 1929 when the Great Depression was happening. Like, if, you know, the labor participation rate is like 40%, then, I mean, you can massage the numbers so that it looks okay and there's only like 10, 12%, um, you know, if you use the right bullshit measurement, um, to say that, you know, people who have given up looking for a job um, are... Or it's not, it's a temporary furlough, it's not an actual, you know, loss, or, you know, just all Uh kinds of bullshit. So it's, that's how we get at a, like, unemployment number, official unemployment number that's probably completely bullshit, and a real unemployment number that is, like, worse than at any point ever during the 1930s in the United yes. States. This is... Like, significantly worse. Like, I don't I don't know how to tell people this. This is... It's like... This is the Greater Depression, or whatever the fuck they're yeah. going to call this one. Like, I, I'm... Honestly, at this point, I'm surprised it's not worse. Um... These, let's be real, these these are better numbers than I, mean, I expected. I guess you can bullshit 
you know, if you bullshit enough, I guess you can, you know, get away with it for a hot minute. But, yeah. <laughs> and the thing that everyone's, the other thing that everyone's been dreading happening, by the way, you know, so we've got oil fucking, like, tripping over their bootlaces and dying. We've got the white whale has flipped itself over. And now uh, the commercial real estate crisis, the fucking reaper that's been hanging out in the background of every economic conversation has begun. <laughs> According to an August 31st uh, article in Brocast Stewart, Pinterest dropped $90 million dollars to break a lease on their new office complex in downtown San Francisco. Like, this... That's... That's practically unheard. They ate shit. And and this is like... This isn't just like some office building. This is like a, like an office, an apartment, a shopping complex. Like, this is just... An absurd amount of money has probably been sunk into this project. And the money that was supposed to prop it up, namely Pinterest, just was like, yeah, we'll actually just, like, eat this bowl of yeah. shit and walk away. Because everyone's working from home and realize offices cost money, and especially when we're not uh-huh. using them. Yeah. And... Yeah. It's very much... Um, I mean, I just... I don't know how how else to say this. It's like we were we were seeing a lot of this, you know, in the early days of you know there is a crisis in commercial real estate of people losing their shirts. But on the other end of things, this is happening. Like this is <laughs> this is the wheels coming off. Yeah. This shit is, it's coming. And this is not just going to hit these specific projects. This is going to hit the banks and the venture capital firms and anyone who has a skin in any of this game called anyone who does shit with an office in the United States of America in any significant hub. And we're seeing, like, on the flip side, things like home prices are going, like, home sales are surging in Florida and in the Midwest and in all these places where, like, you know, tech bros and shit are like, hey, I don't have to spend, like, half my check on rent anymore. I'm going to, like, hightail it back to, like, Wisconsin or something. And since I'm working from home anyway, because I may as well go somewhere where I like it. So we're seeing this shift happening in the labor force as well. So this isn't some overnight it's going to fix itself. And since like the tech industry's already had like rumors of people trying to organize like labor strikes and shit, I could totally see a tech worker strike starting over tech workers wanting to keep working from home where they can actually like get something out of their paychecks. Yeah. Like, they're... How to put this? Like, I mean, every... And it'd be really <laughs> easy to do. Let's be real, it'd be really fucking easy to do. It's called you don't open your mouth <laughs> that morning. 
and you like watch porn or play Fallout all day. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it'd be really easy. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, let it, let it ride. Like, you, you can clean up the infrastructure later when, you know, um, the bosses get around to, like, meeting your demands. You know, all those bugs that you put into the code to protect mm-hmm. your job. Maybe you don't need to take care of mm-hmm. them this week. You don't have to run this maintenance. You know. They're not important. And, like, you know, the server only crashes, like, every other month if you don't do it. So, um, it's you no know. big deal. Just... It'd be the biggest sit-down strike ever. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, DevOps people have a surprising amount of power in the organization. Um, and it's basically, we, we can bring we can bring everything to its knees. We just... And, and what... And looking, like, stepping back mm-hmm. a bit, like... When we look at then shit with like housing prices and all that, away from you know the awesomeness of a tax sit down strike, is this means the money that was being spent in places like San Francisco and New York and Austin and Seattle and Portland and all these other tech hubs is not coming back. So those little boutiquey places, the restaurant bubble that popped up in the wake of the tech boom, all that shit is gonna be coming due. Yeah, and. I mean, on the, on the bright side, you might be able to move back to San Francisco. You might. Yeah, you might. You might be able to afford an apartment in San Francisco or New York again. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> but, you know, it's also probably because you're going to be squatting the Salesforce Center. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Like... Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't see any hope for the economy. <laughs> this is going to get bad. Like, there's no, like, prettying this up. There's the apocalypse. There's this. There's this. There's, like, just the shit we've been talking about this episode. There's just so many ways this economy is, like, dying. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that brings us yeah. to the <laughs> afraid of and especially like the people who you know run things are afraid of is it's here you know the crisis that we successfully punted for 10 fucking years it's back and this time the greater depression is not going to take no for an answer And it's already happening. Like, we have to emphasize that the speed at which the American economy has collapsed, and by extension, the speed at which that has inflicted 
unprecedented damage on the global economy is like it took four years for the Great Depression from the stock market crash to 1933 for unemployment to reach 25%. We're already at 33%. Like, the sheer amount of GDP that has been wiped out since, like, COVID started in February is, like... Yeah, it's a number that is greater than anything that's ever been documented in U.S. history. Yeah. And... <laughs> like, maybe it's comparable to, like, the post-Civil War United States, when war manufacturing wound down and the plantation economy was, like, basically dead for a few years. Oh, yes. Like, it's... We... We aren't quite in uncharted territory, but the speed... The speed of the collapse has been what's amazed me and frankly the only thing that's been holding back like the worst aspects of it like the the eviction crisis that we predicted hasn't quite materialized but as i said in the chat that's that's kind of in a meta stable position right now in that nobody really wants to upset this this balance that we have right now because it would be Armageddon. No, no sheriff's department could enforce all the eviction orders yes. that have to process. Yes, and it's like, yeah, if you if you leave this person alone, yeah, maybe you'll get your rent back someday. Uh, if you kick them out, you. You're not even going to see that because who, who is who else is going to rent this place at market rate? Like, and assuming they don't, you know, strip all the pipes and wires out of the wall yeah. before they leave, and like you know, legally they can't do that. Now, if you're if you're a homeowner and you're being foreclosed on, you are absolutely allowed to completely wreck the fucking place. Oh yeah, it was yeah. your property. Yeah, you're... so there's a balance of terror there <laughs> that's kept it there. But again, there's still stuff like that Guardian report about uh-huh. illegal evictions in Los Angeles that shows that even though, on some level, there seems to be a recognition, even in Trump's like pea brain, that a mass eviction wave would be bad. There still are these shitheads who are trying anyway. <laughs> so, and that's a thing that we want to emphasize has been a consistent pattern this fucking year. Is it's not because the rational center suddenly stopped being rational. It's because some shithead with just enough leverage out on like the far right decided to like jump up and down on the seesaw until they uh-huh. stopped it, in one way or another. Yeah, and it's just, at this point, it's, I don't, I don't see a way out. Um, I don't. And the reason I don't see that is because, well, the economy is just that shit. And, you know, Biden, Biden is not going to fix this. 
he doesn't... But he may be forced to at least make a significant effort, but that would be less because he had any inclination to do so, and more because... Like, several long-faced bankers sat him down and said, Look, Joe, we're gonna have to actually, like, throw some crust to the poor if we don't want to fucking yeah. die. Um, I mean, it's like, at that point, you know, they, uh, they can just be like, Look, dude, if you don't give us something to keep demand flowing, then there there's nothing we can do. We're, we're just gonna take take our money, flee to New Zealand, uh, strap into our survival bunkers, and you can you can just eat shit. And when you... <laughs> Which, by the way, is why this is the greater yeah. depression. And to emphasize, this isn't just a question of wealth is being obliterated in the United States. It's literally fleeing. Like, we're kind of surprised that there hasn't really been much discussion in this yet in the economic press, but... There is some noticeable capital flight happening. Yes. Like. And I think I just heard Cthulhu, like, roll over in his mm-hmm. bed. Definitely. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I've awoken an eldritch spirit. Yeah. Um, like, you know, they, they can just basically say, you know, we'll leave. This will be your problem. And, you know, when when the rioters outside pull you out of the Oval Office window and beat you to death and hang you off of the nearest handy light post, just remember, you could have prevented this. <laughs> yeah. This is, and what we're, when we're saying capital flight, what we're seeing is not only are U.S. bond rates in the toilet, U.S. assets are in the toilet, people are liquidating holdings in the United States like nobody's business, and we are seeing the Egyptian bond market and several other African bond markets have been doing extremely brisk business. And it is worth emphasizing, this is not some move of desperation. Most of Africa has largely weathered the COVID crisis fairly well. Like, they've had to deal with shit like AIDS and MERS and Ebola. So COVID was like, hold on, let me, like, get my trousers on and I'll be right over. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, And (laughs) this was like, we've done this before. Hold on. And they're a major source of commodities that everybody still needs. Yeah, and on top of that, I mean, it's like, it was amazing that they issued a bond for euro and one investors specifically to be denominated in Egyptian pounds. Like, in theory, that is not supposed to happen, and yet they sold them all. Because, you know, the big players in finance would never countenance doing that. Because the Egyptian pound is not a safe investment to Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Egyptian pound is a safer investment than the US. Let that sink in from. Think about that. That's pretty fucking horrifying. So that's what we mean by capital flight. Is we're seeing investment is going into Africa. And hey, you know, long live the African decade. Um, 
may it long endure, Wakanda forever and all that. But that also means any investment money that was supposed to get the United States out of this mess is not coming. It means Europe, which has sustained a bit of a recession, but is still like probably going to be taking some blows from this one, is going to see actual competition for capital. Um, I don't know what the hell Britain's going to do with this, other than be Singapore but dirtier. While Scotland runs away. As the Tories go, well, fuck them, their oil's not worth anything anymore anyway. I bet you if Scotland breaks free and the Tories don't do anything, that will be the exact reason why. The United Kingdom of England and London. Wales for some scenery. I'm not even I'm not even fully sure they'll get to keep Wales. <laughs> I mean I mean who knows? Maybe like I mean, we could see some really weird, like, mutant abomination, like, um, Wales and Scotland petitioning Ireland for membership in the Republic of Ireland so they can just sort of backdoor around the EU membership process. (laughs) As the EU just goes, yeah, we, like, approve the annexation that will create the Celtic Federation. Yeah, Um, I'm just... Yeah, it's very... (laughs) Fuck the English. Um... (laughs) I could see and, that. Yeah, like I, I just, but it's it's going to be a poorer continent. Like unless the EU really like puts on their like grown up trousers, it's going to be a lost decade yeah. for Europe. I mean, it's like like it won't be the United States, but. It's going to be like Japan. Yeah. And it's probably worth noting that... How to put this? That a lot of Europe's financial problems are largely self-inflicted because, you know, the ECB is was basically under German control for the longest time. And Germany did not want to backstop the European Union economy and look how well that fucking turned out. Yeah. Like, the EU could actually pull its head out and become a fairly formidable power block if they accepted that deficit spending is going to be happening for the next decade to get their economy in gear. Um, Like, transfer payments, things like that. I mean, at least there's that. Africa is going to be Africa's going to be booming. And of course, with onshoring, we're seeing like Australia and India and Japan talking about like some kind of supply coalition thing. Take note, the United States is not in that discussion. And two of those three countries are nominally U.S. allies and significant client states in the Pacific. So, you know. This is realignment away from the United States in a lot of very significant ways. Like, the the days of Wall Street gets a cold and everyone else gets the flu are over. For better or worse. For better and worse. I just, yeah, at this point, like, the, um, 
And they're going to hide that money somewhere away from these dangerous markets where the proles are not minding their place beneath the boots of the local pigs. <laughs> yeah. I just, at this point, I don't think... Like, you know, we, we've been kind of predicting, well, you know, a civil war is going to happen. Civil war has already started. Um, and, you know, I, I would say, I still say, yeah, that's, that's the case. Um, it's... <sighs> the civil war is slowly starting and the cops have picked sides in places. And we need to pick sides. Um, I mean, I mean, and we gotta like just because all the polling trends and everything else show that if it's a clean election, and you know, worth pointing out, the whole tech workers exodus is probably going to do all kinds of fun things to results in allegedly red states. Um. So if we assume it's a clean election the Republican Party gets absolutely wiped out on a scale that's probably comparable to 1929 or even worse. And I think they can see that. And it sort of becomes a question as to whether or not they accept their defeat and try to play the long game or if they bet it all on double zero now. And... And to what extent the cops do that. So, I mean, I realize all of this sounds very depressing. I mean, they do call it the Great Depression for a reason. Um, But, you know, it's like, at the same time, it's like, if we're going to have to fight back against all these fucking people, then demoralizing them and weakening their economic position can only help us. Like, we can do mutual yeah. aid. They can't. I mean, <laughs> the Battle of Lake Taylor. And they're really goddamn. Dumb. I mean, I think the Battle of Lake Taylor kind of showed that. Um, yeah, because this is who it is we're dealing with here. These are not Ernst Rome. And Rudolf Hess and Heinrich Himmler and Adolf Hitler, who clawed their way to power atop, like, the broken bodies of their enemies in the streets of Germany. These are, like, some really pampered assholes who have never experienced a real setback in their life. And the very hint of them doing that may spur them to atrocity. That's a given. But let's... Let's face it, like, there's, the only reason the the far right has cadre at this point is because these sorts of ideas are so normalized among the right that you get, you know, little brats like, you know, the Kenosha shooter. Like, there, there was nothing particularly remarkable about his, you know, politics, about his ideology. I mean, it's fairly, I hate to say it, but it's fairly normal shit for those people. Yeah. 
this is shit that's coming from somewhere. It's been boiling up there for a while, and it needs to be said for anyone who is much more of the electoralist mindset who's listening to this show, like we've repeated this so many times, this is going to be resolved in the street. These are people who very legitimately are facing an existential crisis that is a direct challenge to their power, where even the most minimal significant reforms that you can see from Joe Biden is still as would be a serious threat to things like the extent to which cops can get away with murder. And it's like, that's, you know, all that is assuming that they don't just lead with what some of them have been proposing, which is like going for, I mean, Harris was shooting for like, you know, um, an executive order to ban assault weapons, quote unquote, um, on day one. And, like, when you're dealing with the kind of political genius that would come up with that in this environment, then I'm sorry, they, they, they have no idea what they're dealing with. Like, they aren't appreciating that this isn't, or at least they're not publicly appreciating that this is a problem of that there is a substantial armed right in the United States with substantial, like, inroads into law enforcement. I mean, that's basically the main reason why they are significant to begin with, is a lot of them are cops. Um, So, this is what we're looking at, is... These are people who are legitimately facing existential challenges to their power. They might back off. They might say, you know what, we can fight this. We can drag this out. Like, that's been done before in U.S. history, many times, to many a vigorous reform or radical movement. Or they might just go full South Carolina in 1860 and say, you know what, fuck it. We're going to go down shooting. Because maybe it'll work, but if it doesn't, then fuck you. And that's that's what I'm afraid of. Like, you know, Biden... Worse than Biden doing nothing would be Biden going off half-cocked with some damn full idea like this. Um, Assuming it doesn't just start off on election day. I mean... yes. My time horizon sort of stops there because I would not be surprised if shit kicks oh, off. Oh yeah, no, no. By we... Trumpists trying to stop electoral fraud. Like, I absolutely think that there will be like noticeable levels of at least direct intimidation at the polls. At the minimum. If not way more. Along with, you know, QAnon shootings and all kinds of crazy shit. Like Get your vote, get your, like, we're saying get your ballot in the mail, like, nice and early, please. You know, shit might get a bit <laughs> real. But, yeah, um, like, if that's, if that's what you're gonna do, then, yeah, get it in. Um, get it in as soon as possible. Don't, don't fucking wait around. Um, Anyway, uh, this is Chop Shop Economics. We read this shit so you don't have to. Good luck out there. Bye, everyone.